0: HealthWorks, providing trusted, culturally appropriate information and resources. We aim to strengthen vaccine confidence and prevent outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases where we live, worship, work, and play. Increasing access to vaccine and booster shots for diverse, medically underserved populations. Engaging communities, families, and businesses in the fight against COVID-19.
1: Welcome to HealthWorks, a podcast series that highlights the multi-state COVID-19 consortium in Georgia and Tennessee, led by Morehouse School of Medicine, Meharry Medical College, and Ashland Management Group in collaboration with academic partners, state and local health departments, community and faith-based organizations, and local businesses and business associations. This podcast series will discuss efforts of the consortium to reduce COVID-19 health disparities and advance health equity by strengthening vaccine confidence, by providing trusted, culturally and linguistically appropriate information and education and to enhance access to COVID-19 vaccine and booster uptake to diverse, medically underserved populations in Georgia and Tennessee. This is a production of One Joshua Group and the HealthWorks Consortium. And thank you for joining us. Hello, I'm Kermit Payne, president of One Joshua Group and host for the nine podcast series. This unique consortium, HealthWorks, is funded by a nearly $9.7 million grant from the United States of Health and Human Services, HHS, and the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, as part of its community-based workforce for COVID-19 vaccine program. Morehouse School of Medicine leads the consortium in collaboration with Meharry Medical College and Ashland Management Group. This initiative includes as partners One Joshua Group, Black Girl Health Foundation, and Mojo Marketing. HealthWorks aims to reach individuals in the most vulnerable and medically underserved communities which often have high levels of COVID-19 infections and lower than average vaccination rates. This initiative will engage HealthWorks outreach workers, including public health professionals, patient navigators, and social support specialists to conduct education sessions, COVID-19 testings, vaccination events, and other outreach efforts. Today's program focuses on increasing access to COVID-19 testing and vaccinations for vulnerable populations while decreasing hesitancy. Our guests today are Drs. Christopher Irving and Dr. Donald Alcindor. Dr. Alcindor is from Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee, and focuses on the Tennessee Initiative within HealthWorks Consortium. Dr. Irvin is with Morehouse School of Medicine located in Atlanta, and focuses on the Georgia component of the HealthWorks Consortium. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We wanna spend some time today discussing why the hesitancy about vaccinations. The current information about COVID, the pandemic, its impact, finds us with the rise in COVID cases. Dr. Alcindor, Given that information, what can we do to improve the vaccination rates in Tennessee?
2: I think when you want to improve vaccination rates in Tennessee or anywhere else in the United States, you have to provide education for those communities that might be resistant or, for that matter, hesitant about the vaccine. You also have to provide vaccine access as well. The information that you give these communities have to be presented in a culturally competent manner in the way that they understand. You have to provide multiple sites of access. You have to have collaborations with community-based organizations as well, and to give all those vulnerable populations where they exist opportunities to, to be able to get results from their vax from their testing as well. And so, testing, education, and vaccination through a collaborative network is part of what we are doing uh, with the Consor- helps world consortium.
1: Dr. Irving, uh, from Dr. Alcindor's responses, what do you say about ways of increasing vaccination rates in the state of Georgia?
3: Thank you, Mr. Payne. And as Dr. Alcindor stated, uh, definitely we need to do education, testing, and vac- um, vaccination access in the communities that are most vulnerable, but also making sure that we have representatives from the community assisting, supporting. In leading some of these efforts, you will have much greater success when you have community members um, being a part, a critical part of the efforts that Dr. Alcinda mentioned. Helping those community members provide some of the education, um, having those community members lead the testing efforts, and having those community based organizations, those community leaders, those community representatives being part of the vaccination efforts for when the community members who are not vaccinated seeing people they know, they live and work with, and maybe be in their household part of the process, they're more likely to be engaged and be willing to be vaccinated and be more receptive to the COVID-19 mitigation efforts. Uh,
1: Dr. Alcindor and uh, Dr. Irving, Dr. Alcindor, you mentioned the importance of culturally appropriate information. Um, Did you want to speak to that?
2: Yes, I think when you go to the doctor, the doctor will present information to you about your condition uh, using language that you might not understand. So you leave there with uh, not a clear understanding of something very important about your health and wellness. Vaccinations are no different. You have to answer the questions that people have concerning the vaccines. And many people have been bombarded with misinformation about these vaccines that caused them to be hesitant. And of course, all myths and misinformation are not equal. When you tell a group of young men that getting a vaccine might make you have erectile dysfunction, this is a myth that can be longstanding with those uh, individuals. And the idea of getting a vaccine, no matter what the information you might provide to them against this myth, they may be hesitant or resistant in terms of getting the vaccine. Again, you have people that have English as a second language in our country that are also vulnerable. That means that you have to provide this information in a way uh, that is culturally, linguistically equal to the people you're trying to serve. So part of the Helpsworth Network Consortium is to provide information through social media and other platforms in different languages that include Spanish, French, uh, Kurdish, uh and and different types of languages that are important uh for the individual uh vulnerable populations that we serve.
1: Um Dr. Irving, you have any comment or response to Dr. Alcindor's comments?
3: Um I definitely agree with Dr. Alcindor's comments. Um a great example of this is when the covid um covid-19 vaccinations initially started within the Atlanta region and the organization that's helping lead the um, efforts for HealthWorks, Morehouse School of Medicine, partnered with the Mexican consulate to provide vaccinations to that community. And it was a very successful event because it was led by members of the community. Um, we held it at the consulate, so a trusted, um, trusted location. Uh, the uh, individuals helping with the registration, answering the questions, Um, helping with the consent forms were all members of the community and led by some of the community-based organizations that work with the Mexican Hispanic community. So that allowed for Morehouse School of Medicine um, to be able to provide the vaccinations in what was considered a culturally competent, culturally safe, and linguistically appropriate location. And we vaccinated approximately 500 people in that manner. And for HealthWorks, we're continuing that model where we hope to involve individuals from communities who want to promote vaccinations, want to encourage vaccinations to lead the efforts, and then the HealthWorks Consortium supplement and support those vaccination efforts that the community is leading, not HealthWorks is leading. Mm
1: -hmm. Dr. Alcindor, so the issue of messaging, culture, Uh, linguistically appropriate. Do you think that at this point in the COVID-19 pandemic, for both you and Dr. Irwin, do you think that we need to take a a different approach in messaging around COVID-19?
2: Well, I think what we have to stop doing is shaming people that don't want to get vaccinated. And the idea is that they might not want to get vaccinated because there are some questions that they have unanswered. The appropriate message is to tell them the importance of vaccinations and give them information that they can digest in their own way. And of course, uh, support uh, these trusted messengers that you have that are embedded within communities to deliver this message for you. And again, the multiple platforms have to be used in this messaging, meaning that you will never be able to get a person to get a vaccination with a flyer in their hands. A vaccination may require you to enter a person's kitchen and hold their hands while they get a vaccination because they're afraid of needles. So community engagement is extremely important in being able to get a person to think about getting a vaccination. And so the idea is that if a person comes to you with questions, you need to answer those questions. And again, you need to be able to have a vaccine available to that individual on site at the time, because a person can change their mind about a vaccination very quickly, we found. And so we are partnered through Health's Work with different vaccination groups. That includes Meharry Mobile Vaccination Unit as well. And again, this requires you to go and meet people where they are, to talk to them in their kitchens, to talk to them at community events, to basically tell them what they need to know and how important it is to get this vaccine. I also wanna say that there are people that have gotten vaccines, but they have not gotten their boosters. We have to then deliver the message of telling them the importance of getting a booster to their original two doses. And again, for those vulnerable populations that might be homebound, physically disabled, Are not able to make it to vaccination events, we need to have our vaccine strike teams be able to go door to door inside to vaccinate those homebound communities.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Elsino, that is a a great point. Um, You know, we talk about people coming out to get vaccinations, we talk about people coming out to be tested so maybe one of uh not certainly not new but to improve the strategy of us going in that that meets people where they are you've mentioned community engagement a number of times um, and that is critically important and dr irving also mentioned how the community engagement means community inclusion and that was having people from the beginning when you when you develop or conceptualize the events, having them at registration, having them administer the vaccinations, and also being able to create materials in multi-language. I want to ask you um, for that, what is the relevancy of geography uh, in terms of vaccination and vaccination hesitancy? Either one of you.
3: Oh, geography. Um, is a major influence to vaccination and vaccination hesitancy. We're looking at not only just transportation issues, resource issues, um, communication issues, and access issues, um, and an importance of COVID-19 vaccinations and vaccination education in general. Uh, we notice this, um, that the more urban the areas are, the more likely people are to be vaccinated, but then you look at what's available in those urban areas. First and foremost, you have resources. Uh, you have the uh, capacity to reach people where they are, or people can conveniently reach you where, uh, where the vaccinations happen. Um, there's fewer transportation issues. Um, as Dr. Alcindor mentioned in his previous response, if you are homebound, if you have limited mobility, uh, your likelihood of being able to reach your vaccination site is very small. And also just the educational opportunities. Um, the smaller the community, the more isolated or the more remote the community, the more likelihood that myths and misinformation is easier to take hold because the network is smaller. And so when we're looking at the influence of geography, as the communities get smaller, the communities get rural, is even more important for that community engagement and understanding the culture of that community and understanding the needs and the methods of communication um, to that community to promote COVID-19 hesitancy and COVID-19 vaccinations. And also um, understanding their fears. Uh, Coercion doesn't work and that's too often how vaccinations have been presented as a form of coercion as averse to cooperation, collaboration, and compromise. Meaning it's like, let me find out why the person does not want to get vaccinated. It could be very reasonable. Uh, We know that for some people, when they get vaccinated, um, they may have a day or two where they're going to be down for the count um, just from, you know, some of the after effects of vaccination. If your job, um, if the type of work you do is dependent on you showing up to work at the next day, then your fears are not about the vaccination, your fears about will I be able to go to work the next day? And I may be in a community where I have to be the one that's going to be there, there's no fill in, there's no substitute, it's going to be me at the job, and that's you know more likely in smaller communities and more rural communities, and so you have to start thinking, okay, how can I provide the vaccination to this individual that's going to be more amenable to them being able to function the next day or the next two days
1: um, without Irvin,
3: impacting I, their community?
1: I wanted to ask Dr. Alcindor uh, so that we get a chance to talk about this issue of geography. And I heard you mention this, Dr. Irving. Rural versus urban um Are the issues still not the same when we tease away uh, geography, Dr. Alcindor? So I wrote about
2: this in the journal Vaccines, and the title of this article was uh, uh, COVID-19 Impact and Vaccine Hesitancy in Urban Versus Rural Communities in Tennessee. In Tennessee, we have 95 counties, and it turns out most of Tennessee live in about, you know, a fraction of those counties. So 78 of the 95 counties in Tennessee are rural counties. Again, rural counties, when you look at them as a whole, they are saying very loud and clear that the COVID-19 pandemic does not seem to be a risk to the health and wellness of themselves or their families. And that's something that's very uh, hard to say when they have people within their families that are dying of COVID. We have situations where people are not willing to get the vaccine, but are willing to vaccinate the grandfather and the grandmother that's upstairs that they're worried about. Can you imagine that? We're talking about people in rural communities vaccinating in secret because they're concerned about their neighbors Mm -hmm. finding out that they are participating in this kind of activity. Vaccination in rural communities have become basically political. And the political will to go against what is happening in a rural community can sometimes be devastating for those residents. Mm -hmm. And the idea of just participating and getting a vaccine that is life-saving becomes political enough to basically stand against a vaccine and stand against that vaccine rooted in misinformation. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Alcindor... Yes. I'm
1: sorry. And Dr. Irving, you, you, you know, when, when the both of you talk, it, it's so much information. I mean, we could go <laughs> and all of it is, is important, but Dr. Irving, you mentioned Dr. Alcindor, you, you um, referred to this and that is our partners, who we are engaging as partners through HealthWorks. Um, Dr. Irving, you and Dr. Alcindor, can you speak to us about who some of those partners are in Tennessee and who some of those partners are in Georgia. And you mentioned something, Dr. Alcindor, I wanna come back to, and that is not just geography, but the populations of vulnerable, older, uh, who who are physically challenged. We haven't talked about vaccinating children and the ages. And I wanna be sure that we touch on that as a matter of health works and if indeed HealthWorks is vaccinating people under 18. And, what, and I just said that so we can discuss that and, and how that's working. So let's go back, if we could, first of all, let's just start at that. So with HealthWorks, are you vaccinating people under 18?
2: Yeah, I could start with that.
1: So uh, we certainly have to do that. And again,
2: we have to think about uh, what kind of uh, what vaccinations that we can give to, to younger people. It turns out the Pfizer vaccine is the only vaccine that we can vaccinate people 17 to 5 years old. And so the other vaccines are not available for people younger than 18. And so the Pfizer vaccine plays a big part in this. What we are doing through HealthWorks is we are creating community events that are inclusive of children. One big push that we are doing right now in Tennessee is doing the Metro Parks Vaccination Summer Campaign. And what that is is that in the summer, we have 38 parks in in the Nashville, Tennessee and surrounding areas. All of the kids will be out of school. They will be available along with parents because when you say you wanna vaccinate children, you're not gonna stand a seven-year-old in a chair and said, let me tell you about vaccinations or vaccines. You're gonna be talking to parents. So we have to create opportunities where we engage with parents. And we have to do this in a way that parents will understand the importance. And again, you're looking at children in the future and at the very near future, maybe the late summer where children as young as six months to four years old will be up for vaccinations through emergency youth authorization. And so we have to consider this on a whole. And again, what we know clearly is that about 50% of the children that are younger than five years old in the United States are children of color. That means that because they're not vaccinated, a majority of children that remain unvaccinated to, to this day are children of color. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to basically right that wrong when it becomes appropriate. We have to engage parents in a way that they understand the importance of this vaccination for their children. We have to explain to them all of the side effects that have been associated with side effects that happen in younger adolescents is a rarity when it comes to this vaccine. We have to explain to parents very clearly that vaccines as a whole is one of the greatest public health interventions of our time. We live 30 years longer than we did 100 years ago in part to vaccines. Vaccines have been safe and effective for decades. And I talk to all parents by telling them this, I want to remind them of their experience with vaccinations. If you have school children, it is mandatory that school children be vaccinated and their vaccine records updated every year in order for them to attend public school. And I ask parents, I say, how many of your children have come home Complaining to you about an adverse event associated with a vaccine they got its, uh, as part of their immunization schedule vaccines, I don't hear nothing in the room, and what that means is that vaccinations for children have been safe and effective for decades, and vaccines have never been thought to be a hundred percent safe. They never have been and they never will. But what I will say is that the side effects of vaccines for children and adults is a very rare event. And we present that in the context that people understand this. So think about it as getting hit by lightning twice on a Saturday morning. That is the rarity of a vaccine causing mortality or an adverse event in an individual.
1: Dr. Alcindor, I want to add some weight to something that you said to repeat it. That as a public health opportunity, that vaccines can add 30 years to life if I understood you to say that correctly. And the last critical descriptors are that they are safe and that they are effective. Could I get you to repeat that one more time? Yes. So So, that we get the important message to our listeners. So, So vaccines
2: are among the most important public health interventions of our time. We live 30 years longer than we did 100 years ago in part to vaccines. When you think about it, In the 1960s, we had five vaccines available to us. To this day, by 2019, as a youngster, from baby to 18 years old, you will get 74 vaccines. That includes boosters, okay? So our vaccine schedules have changed, but look at the adverse events in children. We haven't seen that. And so I go back to say that vaccines have been safe and effective for decades. And and we need to make parents understand exactly how much experience they have already with vaccines.
1: So I I think you gentlemen have really, uh, Dr. Alcindor, you talked about um, this Metro Parks event that you're having this summer. We all love our parks. Um, Dr. Irving, I know that Morehouse School of Medicine is doing an event in the park as well. Um, Dr. Alcindor talked about your mobile units and getting out in the community. I know that Morehouse School of Medicine also has that kind of access for people in the community. Dr. Irving, would you like to talk to us about two things, uh, your student-led clinic, and also about an upcoming event uh, in, in the park that in which you're engaged that's a HealthWorks-related uh, activity?
3: Thank you. Oh. One of the, and thank you, Dr. Alcindo, re-emphasizing that vaccines are safe and effective. And it's important that not only do we provide the education to the community, particularly parents, family members, loved ones, but that we start training health professionals to be able to communicate this in the same fashion. And so with Morehouse School of Medicine, I oversee a student-run free clinic. Uh, the Morehouse School of Medicine HEAL Clinic, where HEAL stands for Health Equity for All Lives. And we involve all students at Morehouse School of Medicine, the MD students, the PA students, the MPH students, um, and the uh, graduate sciences students, all are involved in providing care to the underserved of both Metro Atlanta and rural Georgia. And so they become the face of the efforts that we put forth around COVID-19 vaccination hesitancy within the community. Um, in conjunction with HealthWorks. And so this allows, again, our future scientists, public health officials, and healthcare professionals to start out early in their careers, providing that needed information around vaccinations, culturally competent education, and addressing misinformation amongst community members. Um, right now it's COVID-19, but if you hear many scientists, they say there will be other viruses, other pandemics, other illnesses in the future, and we need health professionals prepared to give the same level of care, concern, and cultural um, education as students as they will as future leaders and providers. With that being said, one of those events that we're doing will be what is called PAs in the Park, where the physician associate students of Morehouse School of Medicine will be leading community events in one of the um, parks of Atlanta where they'll be providing health education, um, health promotion, health screenings, and more importantly, um, COVID-19 vaccinations to an underserved community of Metro Atlanta.
1: Good, thank you very much, Dr. Alcindo. This is our last question before we close. We've had this broad discussion uh, and and we wanted to be sure at, at HealthWorks that we touched on those institutions like Meharry Medical College and the institutions like Morehouse School of Medicine, particularly now that we're around graduation time. We know that Meharry has in its uh, HealthWorks Outreach and HBCU network partner. Can you tell us about, A, the importance of including this population, and then who those people are, those institutions that participate in this network? So if you go back to the history of HBCUs, Uh, Land-grant colleges were put
2: in places where there were underserved communities. These HPUs, BCUs, many of them are rooted in communities that are uh, vulnerable and medically underserved to start with. And the idea is that being able to partner with them in our plight to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic started from the beginning. We partnered with Fisk University in Tennessee State that was really close to us uh, here in Nashville. Uh, By uh, the opportunities that we got from the philanthropic support from the Bloomberg Foundation Green Initiative to start up the Meharry Mobile Vaccine Unit, we were able to get to some of those institutions and provide testing and vaccinations for them very early on in the pandemic. Meharry led the way in testing uh, for COVID-19 in Nashville. This particular was important for people to go to work, because if you can recall, Going to work meant you had to be tested for COVID if you didn't want a vaccine, if you recall. And so we continue to partner with Morehouse, with other HBCs like Tennessee State, Fisk University. And of course, from the Thermo Fisher philanthropic opportunities, we were able to put uh, testing and processing of testing on site at Meharry. So we have been able to serve other HBCUs with testing and getting results on site at Meharry. And so we want to continue to do that. We expect that LeMoyne Olin College, some of the other colleges that are in Western, Eastern and Central Tennessee, uh, other HBCUs, they are invited. We have a Tennessee uh, 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 group uh, call for other HBCUs to participate. We communicate with them on a round table session. We also have participated in uh, group talks with them as well, and uh, and and so forth. And we hope to continue to do that on on a a level that's uh, going to improve uh, health equity for those HBCUs and their surrounding communities.
1: So, Dr. Alcindor and Dr. Irving, it's been um, it's always exciting talking to both of you, Um, and we'd like to have you back. We've got a number of uh, other. Podcasts, and so we're going to be sure that we get you back uh, to uh, talk more to give us an update on the activities what I'd like to do in closing this section, because we intentionally didn't do it on the top of the program, we'd like for you to introduce yourselves so that people know who you are and know why you bring this great information to this discussion. Um, we'll start with Dr. Alcindor since his name ends in A, and then we'll go to Dr. Irving uh, since his name ends in E, and I'll close this since my name last name ends in P, so we're doing all this in alphabetical order. Dr. Alcindor?
2: Yes, my name is Donald Alcindor. I'm an associate professor at Meharry Medical College. I'm an original HBCU alum, Southern University in Baton Rouge. I got my PhD at the University of California, Davis. I did my postdoctoral studies at Johns Hopkins. I'm a molecular virologist by training. I sit on a number of different uh, panels, international uh, committees, I sit on the FDA Advisory Committee, Antiviral Advisory Committee. I sit on the American Lung Association Advisory Committee, the COVID-19 Expert Advisory Panel. I also am the Director of Research for the Tennessee SEAL. And I, I wear a lot of hats, and I have enough time to go and talk to the community in person.
1: Thank you for what you do, Dr. Elson and Dr. Christopher Irvin.
3: Greetings. I'm Dr. Christopher Irvin, um, MD at Morehouse School of Medicine. I'm the Director of Community-Based Initiatives in the Department of Family Medicine. I'm the Director of Operations for the Morehouse School of Medicine student-run free clinic, the Heal Clinic. I oversee a leadership program for primary care physicians and PAs called CHAMPS, Community Health Advanced by Medical Practice Superstars. As Dr. Alcinder, I have been on numerous boards and organizations Uh, including the Commission in Health Disparities, the All Healers Mental Health Alliance, the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Development Disabilities Advisory Board, Region 3, and other organizations, activities, and so forth. And as we stated, currently part of the HealthWorks Consortium.
1: So I'd like to thank you gentlemen and scholars This HealthWorks podcast series is supported by the United States Department of Health and Human Services and the Health Resources and Services Administration as part of its community-based workforce for COVID-19 vaccine program. The contents of those are the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of or endorsement by HHS, HRSA, or the U.S. government. Be sure to subscribe and be alerted for our future episodes and share this information with your family, with your friends, and with your colleagues. And here's to bringing about a great change and improving health. Stay safe, be kind, and be compassionate. And here's to your HealthWorks. Until next time.
0: HealthWorks, providing trusted, culturally appropriate information and resources We aim to strengthen vaccine confidence and prevent outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases where we live, worship, work, and play. Increasing access to vaccine and booster shots for diverse, medically underserved populations. Engaging communities, families, and businesses in the fight against COVID-19.